Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system. Today we're on episode 3 out of 30 and building steam with plenty more prepared on the horizon. Today is all about the Detroit Tigers, a top heavy farm system with absolute studs littered throughout the top five. We're going to break them all down right here, right now. So Tigers fans, sit back and enjoy today's episode. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number three, and we've got a fun one, guys. Today is all about the Tigers, and we're breaking down the entire organization's top prospects you need to know. Sure, their affiliates like the Mud Hens, Sea Wolves, and Sea Unicorns aren't playing, but the prospects are still under the watchful eye of management, and the development is still expected. Here today to talk about the Detroit Tigers, who desperately need these prospects to pan out, I've got my co-host and the king of Kate percentage, Mr. Jake Dillinghast. Jake, how you doing today? It's going all right. How's it going for you? Ah, doing well, doing well. It's uh, it's hot. It's just so damn hot. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad where I am, but... Yeah. I went with King today. King of K-rate. Uh, King of K-percentage, sorry. how? Uh, I know it's not the agreed-upon Jakey-poo, but is that going to work? Yeah, we moved, I thought we moved on from Jakey-poo, but um, this'll do. You'll you'll never move on from Jakey-poo. Uh, actually, as an aside, I, I mentioned these minor league teams. They also have the Flying Tigers of Lakeland, uh, as well as the Whitecaps. I love the absurdity of minor league team names. Whitecaps is tame, I guess. But Sea Unicorns? What What is going on here with these minor league names? Yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. I think they just <laughs> kind of change them around as they wish. I, uh, I'm i from Winston-Salem originally, and ours was the Winston-Salem Dash. And I'm fairly certain they just named it because the city has a hyphen in the name. And they're like, yep, we're the team with the hyphen. Winston-Salem Dash. Call it. And that's that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, man. Uh, also joining us, Jake, from the great state of Michigan... We've got the founder of Motor City Hardball, Mr. John Moore. John, right to the rip, most important question I'm going to ask today, what's your favorite dumb minor league team name? My favorite dumb minor league team name, I think, I don't know, Sea Unicorns is a pretty good one. I mean, <laughs> I am I live right by the Whitecap Stadium, but that's obviously not that good of one, so I will have to go with Sea Unicorns. Sea Unicorns? Yeah. I, uh, I'm privy to the, oh gosh, what are they, Southern Collegiate Baseball League or something? It's the Savannah Bananas and the Macon <laughs> Bacon. Yeah. Whatever team that's in. Great Plains or Coastal Plains. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> but let, let's dive into the Tigers, guys. John, you know the format. We're going to chat on the very top heavy top five. And then you pick five guys from the rest of the top 20 that you want to spotlight. So let's get into the first guy on your list. Number one player in the Tigers system, pitcher Casey Mize. He's a 60 future value. On this podcast, I, I review tons of pitcher scouting reports, and over and over, I met with the same arsenal. It's always fastball changeup, slider curve. Most of them meddling around 50, and I raise my eyebrows if I might see like a 60 or something. With Casey Mize, what we're looking at at the top of this farm is a 23-year-old with an arsenal that includes a 70 cutter, a 60 splitter, and a plus fastball and slider with a 60-grade command. I, I'm in awe, and I'm trying to figure out what the weakness is when he debuts, which I feel like he should have already if it weren't for maybe some roster manipulation, where would you rank him in the echelon of league aces? Well, I think just in terms of weaknesses for Mize, I think one of the big concerns with him is obviously the injuries. We saw him again last year. He missed like a month, I think. But I just think in terms of in the echelon of league aces, I'm not sure exactly where he'll be right at the beginning. But he definitely is a guy that, with the arsenal and just the polish and stuff he's shown, he's definitely a guy that should um, be a legitimate ace moving forward for the Tigers who def- who definitely need to start building something yeah. for the future here. I mean, the pitcher com- or the pitch combo, uh, I was looking through uh, fan graphs, and the only pitcher I could kind of see that was doing the same thing as him with that cutter and, and, and splitter was you Darvish, like peak you Darvish four years ago when he was putting up five war a year. And if Casey Mize turns into peak you Darvish, you can't complain about that. Oh, no, you definitely can't complain about that. Jake, what do you have uh, from your perspective? When you look at him from, as a scout, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're concerned with the arm injuries and stuff, just kind of the last few years, just as he missed time and all. But um, overall, I mean, just on the mound, he's 
probably the second best uh, starting pitching prospect in baseball right behind uh, Mackenzie Gore, the Padres, who we already talked about uh, earlier. But yeah, I mean, Mice has got it all. Like you mentioned, the cutter, the splitter, it could even possibly grade it better as a 60. We have it as a 60, but it could even show another 70 pitch. Quite honestly, it's that filthy. It has potential to be one of the best in the league when it gets there. Um, his command is good. His fastball is legit. He has good command of it. Just all around, he's got four above average pitches and three potential plus and two plus plus potentially. So, I mean, all around, just a really good, really good arm. And just if if healthy, the ace of the Tigers likely. But I mean, even if not, they have two guys right behind here who we're going to talk about shortly who have almost as much potential as he does. Sure. And that command being a 60 grade, looking at the stats, 25% K rate and only a 5% walk rate. I feel like we're always looking at guys that are like hovering in the 10s, 11s, 12s, 5%. I, I'm I'm impressed, man. I, obviously, we should be impressed at this future ace that we're comparing to, you know, the top guys in the league. But uh, I truly am excited to see him. I hope he gets to play soon. Oh yeah, he yeah. definitely he's definitely really close to. He should already be up, like you said. Like it's just a matter of when they decide to call him up at this point. Like he has nothing else to prove in the minor leagues, really. Yeah, and as as of today, we're recording this podcast. There was rumors of him coming called up or getting called up today, but. Then more rumors came out that he's likely not getting called up. And now with COVID reasons and all that, kind of the season in jeopardy, it wouldn't be a shock if the Tigers just kind of delayed it till more more concrete uh, news comes out. But yeah, he's ready to he's ready to contribute. And I mean, with a normal season, we would have likely seen him right when that kind of uh, extra year of eligibility was able to get, get, get gained by the Tigers. I wonder, obviously this is everything is in, is just in fluid motion right now with COVID, but if he gets called up and has one start, does that start his eligibility clock? His service clock is going? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know, to be honest. I'm not sure how the league's going to handle that. If they call it, let's say on Monday, the league gets called. And I mean, just for instance, we had Chris Bubik debut yesterday and a few others debut the last few days. So, I mean, I don't know what happens to their clock. I don't know if they're going to wipe it clean. I don't know if they're going to say it starts. I mean, for the players aspect, they want it to start, obviously. For the team aspect, they're going to want it back. So I don't know. It's going to be definitely just cause more trouble than we've already kind of had ourselves in to start with. Casey definitely wants the service clock to start. Yeah. Um, but let, let's bounce down a step. Uh, it almost certainly isn't actually a step down in player value. Uh, it's another future value of 60. It's a 20-year-old out of Arizona State, Spencer Torkelson. We talked about him on the draft, so I don't really, I'm not going to go into too much detail on him. But, John, I see on your report you put him as a first baseman. I know he was drafted as a third baseman, and they were kind of wishy washy on, like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to play him at third. Are, are you already just ready to give up on the glove and just put the bat out there for a long term play at first? Yeah, I think most of that is, well, the Tigers have, the last couple of years, they've gotten a lot better on the pitching development side of things. But if you look at their track record developing hitters, it's pretty bad. I mean, one of the only guys recently that's been a homegrown player that's come up and done anything at the major league level is like you're talking about like Nick Castellanos is probably the last one. But I think with a guy like Torkelson, I mean, you just need to put him at the position he's most comfortable at and let him just mash his way up to the majors. Yeah, I mean, I agree. We touched on him um, a few weeks ago on the uh, on the draft podcast, too, and we all kind of had the same um same kind of topic on that. We all think he should just kind of get get put at first base. Don't really mess with it. You don't want to mess with anything that have to do with the hitting and all with him trying to learn a new position. Maybe it frustrates him at the plate because he can't field well or something. You never know how players handle it. He doesn't seem like he'd be the type of guy and all, but you never know. And I mean, it's going to possibly slow down his development slightly. I just don't see a reason to really mess with it. This kid is going to come up and it's going to be so good offensively. It's just kind of just seems worthless almost. And it's not really even a knock on his defense. I think he's actually a decent defender and he's athletic. I just don't think it's worth kind of just doing. Another thing they should consider is just looking at the rest of the farm system. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that could be like major league third baseman, but I'm not seeing anyone that looks like a competent like major league first baseman. So I think just in terms of like spreading it out, you need you're going to need someone to play first base eventually. So. Yeah, not to mention they drafted, like you said, they they drafted. I mean, Gage Workman, a guy who can play third base, who possibly yeah. can play shortstop as well. Like, and they have baseman, and they have Paredes coming up, and they um, also drafted Nick Quintana last year. But yeah, they're pretty they're pretty stacked on that side of the field too. So I mean, I could see maybe Torkelson getting shoved out to left if they really want to keep him off at first because of he has some athleticism. But like we both said, I think you just put him at first. You accept you drafted a first baseman first in the draft, and just move on because this guy's gonna be your three hitter for the next. 10 plus years as long as you can sign this guy and you're going to be happy with it. 
Well, give me give me a projection. Um, five years down the road, when we're looking at peak Torkelson for the Tigers lineup, are we looking at a 300 hitter with 45 home runs? Is it better? I don't think he'll quite be a 300 hitter, but it's probably going to be more like I could see like in the 280 range with like 40 home run potential. Okay. Yeah, I see that kind of in a way as well, kind of around that same thing. I, he, he'll probably have his years where, because he has such good barrel control and just good hit ability, and just in general, he's just a, such a strong hitter. He'll probably have his, sorry, he'll probably have his seasons um, where he does reach 300, but a majority of his career, he probably won't be at the 300 threshold. It's a little, a little much, I think, for him, but the power is on point. I think he's going to be 35 every year, up to 40s. He'll be potential to have a 50 year in there i mean he's got power to play with any guy in the league he'll he'll bash that and we'll probably see this guy in home run derbies and we'll have a lot of fun with this guy in the future nice uh do you think with this year's covid season being such in flux do you think he will start the year next year in in detroit or are they going to still put him in triple a and just kind of screw around for a year in triple a no yeah i don't think he'll come up right away but he's definitely a guy just like He's already shown a really advanced approach at the play, and I just think his hit tool will need to improve a little bit before he's in the major leagues, but he's definitely looking at a guy that could be up next year at some point. Okay. Well, well, another guy that fills out this loaded top five is Riley Green. He's number three on your list. Green has caused some contention among scouts' gradings. He's only 19, and you know, Jake, I know you say it's virtually unheard of that a 19-year-old could have a 60 future value. He doesn't here. He's only a 55. But I'm curious, John, what tools would he have to work on over the next, you know, a little bit of his development to see a 60 future value in the future? Just a little bit of seasoning. What can he do to even improve on that high potential? Yeah, well, he's always been a guy. He's always been a guy known more for his bat. Like if you just look at the reports from draft year, which was last year, he was regarded as one of the top high school bats in the class. And I think he like he's a guy that could be like a 280 to 290 hitter with 30 home runs. So, like, the bat's definitely legit. I just think maybe, like, his fielding could be better. I mean, he, I know this um, summer camp he was pretty impressive in the field, but I just think until we see him do it more consistently, it's a little hard to put it higher than a 55 future value. Sure. Jake, do you kind of agree the same thing? It's kind of the the fielding just needs to kind of shore up? Yeah, and I mean, just to touch on the first thing you mentioned, like, it's definitely possible for a 19-year-old to have a 60 value. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like – unheard of i would say it's definitely doable it's just when you have a tool that could possibly get work like that it's tough to just kind of throw that at a kid like that i mean he's like he was just wrapped he hasn't got a ton of play time and more just kind of has to do with how much experience you have and i mean a guy that comes over from international ball comes over here at 16 and he has three years under his belt he has a better little better chance of getting that 60 fb as well than a high school guy who just got drafted as uh, john said who's still got something to prove and he's missing time this year so it's just a lot of uncertainty right now. He's still young, but yeah, I mean, for everything John said, I pretty much agree with as well. Okay. Um, just looking over his stats, uh, I see 50 speed on his tools, but I only see five stolen bases. Maybe I'm just overlooking games. Is this just not in a lot of games? Is he not utilizing his speed on the base paths? Yeah. I mean, it's more just um, not every player kind of gets jumps and stuff on the base paths. I think with him, it just kind of comes with, he's not looking to steal bases and all like he has good speed and good burst in the outfield. And then he runs the base as well. It's just, when it comes to actually stealing the bases, like you saw, like you see, he has five steals and he didn't get caught at all. So he has the potential to do it. It's more just he doesn't really look for the spots. When he gets them, he makes it happen. It's just the jumps aren't there all the time, but the speed kind of makes up for it. So you're probably not going to see big stolen base numbers with him, but he does have that potential. I definitely look forward to seeing his development as well. I know I feel like I say that about every single one of these players. I look forward to their development, but it's true, man. Like all these guys are the future of the sport. And if Riley Green can be some sort of superstar in the future, the Tigers are going to have Torque and Riley Green and, you know, like you said, Paredes and all these other pitchers up top. The Tigers are going to be just a good-looking team in the future with this. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're honestly just killing the drafts the last few years, too. If you just look at their first four picks we just talked – or first three picks we just talked about, the next guy we, we'll get to right now. In 2018, Casey Mize took him first overall at number one. He's your number one prospect. Number two prospect, Torkelson. Took him this year, obviously. He's your first overall pick. That's two first overall picks. Your first and second ranked prospects in the system. That's pretty good. You're obviously, it's not tough to hit the first overall pick, but by all accounts, these guys are as good as they seem they are. And then you got Riley Green, we just talked about in 2019, fifth overall. He seems like he's plays the part. And then we're about to talk about Matt Manning, who was taken ninth overall in 2016. And 
a lot of people even have him graded as the number one prospect in the system. So any of these guys, quite honestly, you have the potential to be that number one guy. So even though we have Riley Green at three, Matt Manning at four, all these guys have potential to be that number one guy, and they have that true. Honestly, they could all be stars in the league within sure. a few years. That's a that's a big spoiler alert there, Jake. Matt Manning, Matt it's Manning, fourth far. fourth on the list. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't one, two, or three. He asked, he's not four. We did something wrong. <laughs> well, let's look at Matt Manning. We're looking dead at another 55 future value. So this guy's a big 6'6", 22-year-old righty. For several years now, Manning has been a top prospect in the Tiger system. He took big strides in 2018 and 19 to get where he is today. So he's well thought of, and, and many scouts have him as a top 15 minor league prospect overall. And this is the number four in the system. So someone who some people are saying is 15 in, the, in all of minor leagues the Tigers have is the fourth best in their system. Is this a product of the system just being massively top heavy or are you down on Manning for some reason? Well, I think it's a combination of both. Like if you just look at Manning, like the thing, the reason I have him behind Mize right now is Mize looks like a guy that could come up right now and get major league hitters out. But if you watch Matt Manning at all in summer camp, I don't know if you guys did. He just, I don't know. I feel like he struggles with his command a little bit and like I said in the article, if you read it, like he needs, like he has the fastball and curveball right now, which are good. But until his changeup improves, and until he, I think he needs to start slowing something with like more horizontal movement, like a slider or cutter, if he really wants to reach his upside. Well, I'm looking at his uh, statistics again, and 47% ground ball rate, 21% line drive, only 32% fly ball, with uh, less than half a home run per nine. He's keeping the ball down. He's keeping the ball in the park. It looks like he's at least being productive with that limited stuff. No, yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely good stuff. But I just think if he really wants to like hit his number two or number three starter ceiling, he needs to either well the changeup needs to improve and like I said, just add a slider or cutter so he can go through the order more times. Jake, uh, what about what about you? What do you think about Manning as a pitcher compared to Mize? I think definitely you have. I think Mize is the clear favorite for them just for the fact. I think uh, John kind of touched on it, just the fact that he has those extra pitches to kind of get guys out when, say, the fastball's not working. He does; He's not kind of just reliant on the curveball. The curveball's not there today. Manning's kind of reliant on just that fastball because, like you said, the changeup's a little farther behind. It has potential. I, I might be a little higher than him overall um, as a future pitch, but it definitely needs work right now. And he's more of a two-pitch pitcher. Um, so if you just throw them both in the league right now, I mean – I think I have a lot more faith with Mize to get guys out because he has that, like you said, he has a cutter, he's got a splitter, he's got more to kind of throw at a hitter, and especially to get the lefties out. He's got a lot to kind of um, battle against him to kind of get on their on their hands, and that splitter is just killer. Um, I would definitely, like I said, I think the ranking is good here. I think Mize is clear-cut um, above him. It's just Manning's, Manning's really good. I think it just kind of comes down to more seasoning with him. He's, he's pretty close to being ready. It just might be... We're probably not going to honestly see him this year unless we get some type of, yeah, we're playing the full season, no questions asked. Maybe we'll see him. So, I mean, the, just the time on the alternate side this season, I think he'll do him a lot of good. He's getting, um, just he's facing a lot of just up, those upper guys. Like he's facing the, the Riley Greens. He's facing some guys who actually Riley Green. I'm uh, looking at uh, the article right now, and he's got a video in here. Riley Green actually took Manning, Manning deep in the summer camp. So, it just kind of stuff like that. Like he, he has, he's facing good talent down there. So I think this year is going to be big for him. It's almost in a lot of ways, this summer camp can almost be more beneficial to a lot of players if they take it as serious as they do the games in a normal season, just because you're getting, you're facing good talent and you're getting your coaching there to kind of work through everything. So it's fully not game speed, but I think for Manning, it could be an actually, actually a pretty good benefit for him. Yeah. And he's, he's a guy that has, um, he's got really good makeup. So I am really confident he can make adjustments. He needs to like initially, I don't think he'll be that successful at the major league level, but like I said, I definitely think he has the ability to make the adjustments needed. Well, you talk about how Manning, um, is sometimes his secondary pitches aren't working. He has to rely on that fastball. I want to move to the next guy on the list. Uh, Tariq Skubal. Uh, I have no clue if that's pronounced correctly. It's probably not, but that's fine. Uh, he's, 6'3", uh, 50-plus future value, which first off, the fifth guy on the list is still a 50-plus future value. This system is is wild up top. But what I was going at was Scooball is one that uses his fastball 70% of the time. So while Matt Manning might have to rely on it a little bit more, Scooball relies on his fastball more than anybody else. Only Lance Lynn throws his heater that often. 
can Scubal manage a career in the majors with just one pitch that he uses so heavily? Well, no, I don't think so. If you watch his starts from double A last year, he was completely overpowering guys. And if you just look at the numbers, I mean, they're ridiculous. He struck out almost 50% of the batters he faced in double A. And, but to be successful in the majors, like I said, he's definitely not going to be able to just overpower guys like with the fastball, like with what we saw last year, but he's a guy with the fastball and slider mix. I know he's definitely going to be, well, he's obviously definitely going to have more value as a starter long-term, but I would actually be interested in seeing him come up this year and kind of work as like a power reliever, just like, so he can use the fastball and slider and just come out of the pen from the left side, throwing upper nineties and blow guys away. Sure. I mean, that stuff absolutely works as a, as a bullpen. I'm just curious if he can, I guess, have enough stuff to make it work as a starter. Jake, as a guy with a pitcher background, could you manage that with just one elite pitch and then some kind of meddling other stuff? I mean, obviously, like you said, people make it work. Lance Lynn's a little different story, I think, because he, he mixes in some cutters, he mixes in sinkers and stuff, and Scooball's more or less, he's just kind of that straight, strict fastball. He's just like like John said, he's just rearing back and kind of just blowing guys away and making them kind of look just stupid, quite honestly. But, I mean, his fastballs, quite honestly, just keeps improving. I mean, I'm I'm not one to say he, it can't work. I think it can work, definitely. He might have to be in the bullpen. I'm, I think I'm honestly the high guy maybe on Scooball. I think he's just as talented as Manning in them. But um, no, I don't think he's as talented as Mize, obviously. But I think he, he has that talent with uh, Manning. But they both have that kind of the same question mark, as you said, just that the secondaries and all, if they can kind of play at the major league level. I think the slider can. It's not going to be amazing. We have it graded as a plus. I think it's more of a plus because it's nasty. He just doesn't really use it. If he starts using it more, it's going to kind of t- kind of let him take that next step and will kind of show his true potential and if he were to come and face up against major league hitters down he wouldn't struggle i would say right away because he can make that miss with his fastball it's that good but once they kind of figure that out once they kind of figure out what they're trying to he's trying to do with it he would probably struggle i am looking at his stats last year in double a nine games 42 innings so that's not really a reliever profile that's five innings per per uh start uh looks like around there he had 17 strikeouts per nine as a starter going five innings deep, 17 strikeouts per nine is uh, intense. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, they, they definitely want him to be a starter. Like, they're not trying to ever make him a reliever, obviously. Like, the last um, last year he made every every uh, every outing was a start. So, they want him to start. They're trying to make it work. He definitely just needs to work in the off speeds more. If he can work them in more, just by nature, you would imagine he can just kind of develop them a little bit better. It might be another guy that kind of benefits from the uh, summer campus. You're working with the pitching coaches just consistently, just like Manning and then getting that coaching and kind of in-game kind of coaching where it's like, hey, let's start working on this a little bit more. And who cares about results really? I mean, in the minors, you really don't even care about results. Quite honestly, you just want to be working on stuff and progressing still. But especially in summer camp, there's no scorebook and you're just strict working on stuff and whatever they think you need to work on, you're working on that and working on your other stuff to get better. And he might, I think he's going to be a guy that can kind of refine those uh, secondaries this year. Hopefully he can refine those secondaries because the fastball, as great as it is, if they want to be a starter, he's got to have that other pitch. Uh, but but that's, that's it for the top five. I want to move on to the next guy. The first one of your spotlights comes in at number six. Uh, and he, we've talked about him a couple times already before. It's Isaiah Paredes, third baseman. Uh, he's 21 years old. He's got a really advanced bat, and it's definitely his biggest tool. He makes consistent contact and, and enough power to raise some eyebrows. He's got patience and a good eye to help him as well. The issue, like many these days, I feel like we talk about, is his defense. He came up as a shortstop, but he seems to already kind of fallen down that totem pole to third, and he'll probably fall further, honestly. Obviously, defense helps any prospect succeed, but is Paredes going to be able to contribute enough with his bat to kind of make up for those weaknesses? Yeah, I think I think he definitely can. I have him as a potential two seventy ish hitter, and he's he's shown a really good approach at the plate, and he has like I would say like probably fifteen home run ish potential. But yeah, the, he'll definitely probably be a third baseman long term, and he definitely has the arm to play third base. But I think he could be like an average major league regular third baseman with his bat. If I know you mentioned earlier, Gage Workman. Is Gage going to be more of a third baseman, or is he going to fall into shortstop? Because Paredes, would he be able to play the outfield? Um, no, I think most Paredes is pretty much stuck at as an infielder. I mean, there okay. I know there's, there's been some talk of moving him to second base, but I know Paredes isn't, well, at least from what I've heard, he 
doesn't want to do that. He wants to stick on the left side of the infield. So I don't know how it will play out with Workman. It will be interesting, but I'm pretty, I would just kind of want to see how Workman looks against minor league competition before I try to figure out what they're going to do at third base long-term. Sure. Jake, he's got a 55 future hit tool and a 45 power. Uh, Is he going to be able to improve on that? Because, you know, if he moves over, if he starts changing positions, his bat's going to start needing to be stronger and stronger. No, yeah, I agree. I was going to touch on that. I think, um, if he wants to be a third baseman long-term, he's going to... Uh, I mean, you can play a guy over there at third base that's not going to hit for power. I mean, the Angels started David Fletcher at third base last year. So, I mean, you can do it. It's obviously not ideal. You want power at that position. It's a power position. That's what it's thought of. And if you don't have one there, you're probably lacking elsewhere as well. So you definitely want to think he can, but I personally don't think he's going to get past that 45 um, power. I just personally, especially in that in that park, it's tough. And his um, just the way he swings, I don't know. I just don't think he's built to hit for more than kind of like that 12 to 15 kind of maybe some years he'll be touching upper teens and stuff getting towards that 20 but overall i don't think he's going to be averaging more than about 13 a season his hit tool is strong he'll be a good hitter i do think he's going to probably need to likely be okay with moving to second base because i think that might be his future just because of the power and the other guys they might have in that system and just in general i don't know if he's going to be able to hit like we said enough to be a starter at third base he's gonna likely have to move around a little bit to get consistent at bats the hit tool will play um as john said the arm's good enough for third base the fielding's a little a little light for third i would say but he's manageable there if you need to start him there for a week few weeks for an injury or whatever he's more than capable of doing it and i just think the battle play i just don't know if he's gonna be a full-time regular um, especially with the kind of guys they've started getting into the system. Um, I think his tools kind of just don't completely the full uh, the full profile don't match up, but I definitely think he's going to be a solid player. i just not sure where he kind of fits in. John, I'm reading your article. The last sentence of Paredes' uh, section is that he has potential rumors of some makeup concerns, and they have you less than confident in him reaching his ceiling. Are, are, is that kind of going back to you talking about how he doesn't want to he doesn't want to change positions? He wants to stay on the left side of the infield. Is there more to this? No, yeah, it was just some of the stuff I was seeing. How he's been like hesitant. He was hesitant to move off short when it's obvious that he should probably be moving off short at this point, and just some of that stuff. Like he isn't as open to I don't know moving around whatever adjustments. What he needs to do to. Yeah, what adjustments he needs to make to reach his potential ceiling, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to move on down the list. Uh, you've done a good job of spreading this out. Our next one, we go from 7 all the way down to 11. We're talking about Franklin Perez. He was target number one in that famed 2017 Verlander waiver trade. Uh, and at the time, he was actually the Astros' number three prospect. But now, three years later, he's 22 and he finds himself last pitching in high A ball with a bad walk rate and a decreasing strikeout rate. Is Perez no longer the prospect we thought he was? Is he on the list just because we kind of refuse to let go of the past? Well, yeah, obviously the injury. there's major injury concerns with him. He pitched in only seven and two-thirds innings last year, I think, and then mm-hmm. he was in, pitched less than 20 the year before that. But if you've watched him when he's still on the mound, I mean, he's still shown the good stuff, which is, I think, primarily why he's still ranked 11th. It's, yeah, I mean, the stuff's still good. The stuff's still there. It's just a matter of if he's going to stay healthy at this point, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm I'm just not high on Franklin. Um, I think his time's kind of, I mean, he's still 22, so it's tough to say his time has passed. I don't know. I just don't think he has enough to make hitters miss consistently um the k rates and just in general he doesn't make enough or he doesn't miss enough bats just he's starting to walk more guys i don't know if that kind of was due to to injury i mean like like john touched on he's only pitched in literally 25 innings in the last two seasons so i mean that's the problem obviously that's kind of the starting point that's a problem just that fact he doesn't like i said he doesn't miss a lot of bats that's another concern the walk rate started to creep up probably due to the arm injuries like i said but that's also a concern in his last season uh 2017 his walk rate also started to creep up a little bit in, uh, when he reached double A. So that was a concern. I don't know. I just, ever since the trade with the Tigers, I thought they were getting a good package from the Verlander deal with all the guys that they got. And just slowly but surely, it just kind of turns into all those guys were the guys the Astros kind of knew weren't <laughs> the guys they needed. I don't know. Like, well, you, you mean Daz Cameron is not the best player in the Tigers organization? I think Daz is good. Um, <laughs> he's got tools to work with, but 
he wasn't ever going to carve out a role with the Astros. And I think they probably knew that as well as he just had some tools that probably limited him as a future kind of starter. But um, I mean, the Astros are just good at, I'm quite honestly, everything when it comes to player development and all that, but not to say the Tigers aren't. um, I just think they kind of got unlucky with Franklin with the injuries as well. Like he was showing, he was showing some promise when he was in the lower minors, but he's been around for, geez, five years now. The next time we see him, he's going to be 23. He's been around for six years. He's kind of got that prospect fatigue where it's like, all right, this guy's been around for long enough. I'm kind of just over it. Let him come up. And if he's successful, good for him. If not, it is what it is. We kind of washed our hands clean at this point, but we'll see. So you you mentioned that we're not going to see him play meaningful baseball this year. So the next time he takes the mound, that means that over the last three years, he would have pitched a total of 25 innings. Not only is that physical rust, that's also a lot of mental rust. And mental rust for a pitcher, I feel like, is just up is cases for the yips or whatever it may be. Mental rust for the pitcher, I feel like you have to be on your game every single time if you're pitching. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. You definitely don't want any like second-guessing and stuff. And I mean, like you said, without being out there for almost two years virtually not getting any time you kind of like have that ants have that kind of drive you're like all right this is gonna be the year i kind of turn it around this is gonna be the time i'm healthy now i'm all ready to go and then boom no season boom no season boom injured again boom can't play so it definitely takes a toll on a player like that and i mean at some point like you said you get worried just if he can kind of find his success like he had in this early career well, by all means, I might be a downer on him, but I still wish him luck. Oh, yeah, I no, still no. wish that he turns back, turns his career around. Uh, but I, I, let's move on down uh, to number 13 on the list. We're looking at uh, Parker Meadows. He's the younger brother of Austin Meadows. 6'5", 20-year-old, and his game's all about speed and power. Uh, is 70 speed and, uh, what is it, 50 power. He had a full slate of games last year, getting over 500 plate appearances but he struggled his way to only a 221, 296, 312 slash line. That's just not good enough in A-ball. Sure, his brother he's the brother of an all-star, but how is Parker going to get himself up to the majors if he's struggling that much in low ball? No, yeah, with Meadows, he's definitely someone you would consider a high-risk prospect, especially with this whole season, minor league season, getting wiped out. But I just think most of the thing with him is He's got a projectable frame, so I could still see him developing into more power long term. But yeah, the swing, he's 6'5", and the swing is just a little long, which will hurt his hit tool. But I think realistically, you're probably looking at a probably utility outfielder that has the speed and range to play center field and the other spots. Jake, uh, do you see... Sorry. <clears throat> Jake, do you see his hit tool improving so that he can be more than just that utility outfielder? Um... I mean, I don't, probably not, to be honest. I'm not sure yeah. if he'll need it, if he can reach his potential in other positions. I mean, he's not really stand out anywhere. Obviously, like the speed's fun to watch out of a guy who's six foot five. There's somewhere, obviously, that's going to drop as he, as he kind of gets older and all and adds kind of more strength and butt. But um, yeah, I mean, if he reaches the 40 hit tool, he has enough to be a starter, like in left field, probably, most likely. Cause you're probably not going to want to start a guy in center field. Who's just not really a super strong fielder and not a super strong hitter. He's just kind of there to field. I mean, overall he's likely going to be a left fielder corner outfielder guy, but as John said, he can fit in the center field if needed. Um, I think the power is going to play. I think it could be a little higher than as John said, it might grow in a little more than a 50 power, even as he kind of, um, as he kind of progresses and just gets older. This miss year is definitely big for him as it is for, as we can probably say for any every single prospect but just players like him that have kind of just on that verge of all right does he have it does he not have it is kind of big because it's tough for teams to kind of trust these guys going forward like can the can the tigers trust meadows to turn into something in the next two years where they can actually count on this guy to contribute or do they need to keep stacking the farm with outfielders and whatnot because they can't trust this guy's gonna be 21 next year and hasn't obviously proven anything so it's a, it's a tough situation, but I think he has enough to prove it. It's just the clock's going to start ticking with him, too. Uh, question on how you grade fielding here. He's a center fielder with 70 speed, and I know so much of center field need is that range. And with 70 speed, you can get to just about any ball. You ha- We have him rated as a 40 current, 50 future fielding. Is that a matter of just like 
lack of awareness out there. He just he just needs more seasoning in the field to learn how to play all the positions. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, it comes down to like jumps on the ball, getting reads off the bat, how you go in on the ball, how you come in on the ball, just your ability to make plays, your kind of ability to take charge out there, just in general, everything that kind of comes with the center field position um, gets put into that. I mean, obviously there's an arm grade as well, so you don't really exactly put that in there. But yeah, speed is definitely you want speed of the position if you if you don't have i mean you got to have at least average speed to be a center fielder you can't put a guy with 20 speed in center field and expect to make outs i mean every ball in the gap's going to fall in there but a guy, a guy like meadows with his speed obviously it helps him even when he gets bad jumps the speed can kind of make up for it with us having the 40 out of 50 speed the 40 present the improvements just kind of like i said just going to kind of come in with he um with more time just getting more reads off the bat more development i think like i said i think he's going to be moved off of center field and he's only for the most part played center field in his career so just kind of taking that into consideration we'll see how he progresses and that can just add to his development as well okay i I appreciate the the scouting knowledge because there's so many of these things that i'm like i have this general awareness of how it should work but i'm like "Ah, i guess i don't understand why this is that and that's the other thing so uh it's always good to have you on my side jake (laughs) but let's Hey, thank you, brother. Let's uh, thank you, Jakey Poo. <laughs> Let's keep going down the list, skipping fourteen and landing at fifteen. Uh, Winsiel Perez. I'll be honest, John. It astounds me why he's on the list. He's essentially a defense first shortstop who, at twenty years old, may have already lost the ability to play defense. He had thirty-three errors in roughly two-thirds of a season last year, and that's bad if you have a sixty bat. But Perez has a future hit and power of under fifty. Tell me, what development path does Perez need to take to contribute at any major league level? No, like what you said, there's definitely very real concerns with Perez, and I was a lot higher on him at this time last year. But I just think he's still young enough and has shown enough, like a mixture of contact ability and just approach at the plate where he can get like close enough to being an average hitter. And I just think, well, with his speed and arm, I think he can – he could probably play third if they needed him to, but he's probably more realistically a utility infielder. Yeah, I look at, I mean, currently slash line of, what, 233, 299, 314. That's just not going to cut it. That not The the 60-point separation between batting average and on base is probably fine. So if he just increases his batting average by, you're right, maybe 20 or 30 points, 260, 320, 340, I, it's still not good, but it's at least serviceable. Jake, yeah. what do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, I think John kind of nailed it. There's not a ton of here to kind of get excited about on the offensive side. So you kind of just hope he can kind of improve a little bit. I'm not sure it's going to come, quite honestly. He just has that kind of utility role in the future. There's really a lot of stuff that are just below average. Nothing really stands out to you. Yeah, I mean, the speed's nice. The arm's okay. The fielding is going to kill you. You hope the bat can kind of pick up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just question marks and... When you have that many question marks, it's tough to kind of pin you as a starter long-term. So, and I don't mean to be rude when I say this, why have him on the list at all? If there's so many question marks, is it just because the, the farm system starts to really drop off here? Where it's like, okay, well, this guy has a couple little bits of potential, so we can see if he reaches these potentials, he's here. It's a lot of ifs. Yeah, I mean, after about the 13 mark, 14 mark, the system kind of just takes a little bit of a dive. Like I said, there's a few guys we might have missed um, that are right, right on that edge. So maybe not that we missed them, more that they just need to kind of actually get in the games and prove that they have potential. Sure. Um, yeah. Some guys that were drafted this year, some guys that were signed internationally. Um, I think we're going to talk about one later. But but yeah, so it just kind of guys like that. And like I said, there's some things to like here, and there were things to like pack in the pen in the past. But just with this missed year, again, and just with him not showing much last year, it's just a lot of question marks right now. I was just going to say, yeah, that's been a majority of my problem with how the Tigers have done the rebuild so far. It's like a really top-heavy farm system. And if you just look at, well, obviously they've gotten the first four guys that will been first-round draft picks, but they missed on a lot of trades and stuff, mm-hmm. which I think is early in the rebuild. Like when they traded Justin Verlander and J.D. Martinez, they missed on a lot of those trades. And I think... And they haven't really done until the last couple of years, they haven't really done much in terms of like international free agency. So just looking, I think that's part of the reason why the system's so top heavy. Yeah, I agree. And like, like we said earlier, all those, like I think you actually just said too, all those top four guys are first round picks. So yeah, it's good. You hit their first round pick, but it's not exactly tough to hit the guy everyone's telling you to take. 
So yeah, when you're drafting when you're drafting one one, I mean yeah. it's pretty hard to realistically screw that up every single year. But they just missed on like if you look, I mean they missed on they obviously screwed up the JV trade and they just missed on a lot of those trades early, which I think is part of the reason why they're still in this rebuilding mode. Yeah, no doubt. I mean if they added one or two prospects from both of those trades in the fast that you said, the system's a lot deeper. Well, so I guess one of the things where talking about the lack of depth in the system. I actually really like the next guy. Sure, he's a 25-year-old backstop, but Jake Rogers, I guess harken back to the Casey Myers question earlier where where I was talking about how every prospect report just kind of blends together, and it's a lot of 45s and 50s, and every so often you just run across someone that makes you smile. Jake Rogers, sure, he has a limited hit tool, but he has an 80-grade defense, and that's just, you don't see it. You don't see that 80s on prospect reports ever. So I see this, and I just my heart swells for him. His defense is surely going to get him to the bigs. And we have so many young pitchers in the Tigers org. They're going to need him to graduate to kind of have a competent backstop back there. But tell me how far can the bat take him? Is there more that meets the eye? Yeah. Well, one of the things with Rogers is he's, I obviously, I have him graded out as an 80 field, but I think with the automated strikes unlikely coming, that's going to hurt it. And he's obviously shown um, catch and throw, so it's not like he's going to move off the position or anything. But I just think the bat obviously has a, has a lot of work to do still. But I know he's been he's been working with Doug Lada, the swing whisperer, and he's um, done a lot this year to like cut down on his leg kick and just try to improve his timing more. So I don't know how good the bat will be, but he's definitely going to need a hit more than what he's shown so far if he wants to stick around in the major leagues. Oh, I think he's definitely going to stick around in the major leagues. I mean, she's look at Jeff, look at Jeff Mathis. <laughs> That's my favorite example is the Jeff Mathis batting 196 yeah. and still in the league when he's like 75 years old. No, yeah, he's definitely still, you know, he's, I mean, he's definitely going to be in the major leagues. I'm just saying like, if he wants to like, start, oh, gotcha, okay. like play, be in, if you want, yeah, I, sorry, I didn't explain that well. <laughs> if he wants to be like, an, if he wants to be like an everyday player, he's going to have to improve the hit tool. Yeah, no doubt. And working with Lada definitely will help him he's worked with a ton of guys in the league i mean he's changed around justin turner's career and nameless others so i mean he's definitely the guy to work with if he wants to try to fix something i mean he's obviously we said 25 but the defense is legit he's already one of the best defensive uh catchers in the league just right away just the pop time the ability to just nap runners down at second base third base just it's tough to steal on the guy he's got a good arm quickness behind the plate athletic he's good blocker as you said if there's a strikes on automated and all that's going to hurt him a little bit just because he's so good at everything he does, but it'll kind of bring everyone a little bit on par with him. It's not a total zero offensively. Yeah. Like he has shown the ability to hit for some power, but just he's not going to get hit for enough average right now. Oh, John, I was about to touch on that exact same thing. I'm looking at his stats for the last three years. 2017, 18 home runs. 2018, 17 home runs. 2019, 14 home runs. I know those numbers are going down, but so are the plate appearances. So it's still pretty consistent. He's hitting the same amount of home runs per plate appearance, really. So if he can do that in the bigs, I mean, even, what, 15, 12 home runs with that 80-grade defense, that's good. No, yeah, that is good. Yeah, he the guy you kind of think of with him, I guess, if you're thinking of power than legit defense, is kind of like a Mike Zunino, and I think he's a little better defensively than Mike Zunino as well. So, I mean, if he can be that, I mean, Zunino's found a way to stick around. Like, So he'll, he'll definitely have a role. Um, I just think, especially with they drafted Dingler this year, um, who's also a good defender behind the plate, who's he's athletic. If needed, he could always move off. But I think Dingler's probably the catcher of the future there. But that, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. Rodgers will find a career as a backup with him and possibly have Dingler moving around the field a little bit to get them both in the field, maybe rest Dingler's legs a little bit. So Rodgers will be likely a mainstay of the Tigers for, for the next few years. I don't think they're honestly going to have any real reason to move him with that pitching staff. They definitely want someone capable of handling it because when you have a pitching staff like that, there's no reason not to maximize it. Sure. Well, well, let's go back and, and take a broader look at the top 20 here. I just want to mention the guys we didn't touch on. Uh, at 7, 8, 9, and 10, we have the new draftee catcher, Dylan Dingler, like you just talked about, lefty hurler, Joey Wentz, uh, outfielder, Daniel Cabrera, and former first-round pick, Alex Fayeda. Sliding in at 12 and 14 are Gage Workman and Daz Cameron. And then rounding out the 20 with the final four guys, we've got righty Bo Burrows, a couple of infielders in Nick Quintana and Willie Castro, and former Cub prospect pitcher Alec Lang. Uh, like I've been doing, though, John, I want to challenge you to go further down the list outside the top 20. Give me a name of a guy who just either missed the list or, or maybe someone that we can look to make an appearance soon. 
Yeah, well, in terms of guys outside the top 20, after the list went up, I got some pushback on Twitter for not including Bryant Packard. And I think they were definitely making some legitimate points. Like Packard would probably be like 21st on my list. But I just think I left him off because he hasn't shown enough outside of the ability to hit for power. And he's likely going to be limited to a corner outfield spot. But I think it's like probably above average potential power. But he's shown a good approach to the plate. But I just don't think there's enough else there to like really. And the other, he's not as close to major league ready as some of the other guys at the back of the list. So I think that's primarily the reason I left him off. But he's definitely an interesting prospect to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm looking at Packard right now. He uh, batted... What, 351, 432, 405? Well, that was only in 44 plate appearances. So, I mean, small sample size. But still, in that small sample size, I can't complain about that on base percentage. And he definitely should be in consideration when you're talking about the Tigers' top 20. But I just think, like I put, I know I put Willie Castro over him just because Castro's like so much closer to being in the majors right now. Mm -hmm. And I just think Packard's a guy that with the year off is going to get killed. Okay. Well, uh, then let's move to the next one. I want to play overrated, underrated. Were there any guys that you thought were being overlooked in the system? Uh, maybe a guy you think just deserves some recognition? Or is there someone on the list that doesn't belong? I know we talked about Franklin Perez, that maybe he, and, and then, oh gosh, also Winsiel Perez, both the Perez brothers. <laughs> but is there someone else that maybe just doesn't belong or someone who is outside the system that you want to give some recognition to? Yeah, well, I think the guys you mentioned are good, but overrated, other overrated guys, I think if you look at guys like Nick Quintana and Parker Meadows, they are both going to be hurt by the year having the year off and they really need to start showing something like both those guys really struggled last year along with Bunso Perez. And I just think unless they start showing like significant improvements next year that they're going to start sliding down the list and maybe you're not fit. But I think when you talk about underrated guys, a guy we haven't talked about yet is Alex Lang. And he got, he just got acquired at the trade deadline last year in the Nick Castellanos trade, but he was like 94 to 95 with his fastball. And, since coming over from the Cubs, he's like changed his breaking pitches. And if you read, um, I don't know if you guys read Fangraph's prospect list of the Tigers, but Kylie McDaniel and Eric Longenhang and there mentioned how on their high speed footage now, his whole um, arsenal just looks different. So they might be doing something with him that could push him up the list. Jake, how come Prospects Worldwide doesn't have high speed camera footage? You gonna pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jake, what do you think about the system as a whole? Are there any guys that you want to spotlight? Yeah, I mean, kind of the guys that John said that could, that could probably possibly fall off next year. Obviously, Franklin Perez. Um, Fado's kind of getting towards that range because he's I think he's likely a bullpen arm. He's still got potential, but he's likely a bullpen arm. And then just kind of the last, more or less, the four guys. I'm not a huge Burroughs believer. Um, I think he's no, kind of just very average nick Quintana, castro lang um lang's a little interesting now with the new reports and all but just those three guys there a little a little light i think guys that can definitely be considered for next year just jose de la, de la cruz uh, people are kind of talking they we have a, i think we have a comments from someone on him but roberto campos is crazily interesting it's just i mean there's hardly any data on the guy he's so young he's from cuba not much out there on him got a ton of money on a signing bonus. So he's crazily interesting. So next year we're likely going to see a lot of him. There's just a few guys that get you a little excited, but just right now we need more info on them. Jake, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, John, I do have a question from Reddit from ghost Mavericks. Uh, he's a tiger fan on r slash motor city kitties. Is there any info on Roberto Campos? He's really interested in this ability, but there's not a ton of information out there with the price tag. They paid an international free agency. He assumes they should be some high-level talent. Uh, what do you have on him? Yeah, like he said, he was kind of a mystery guy. Like he wasn't really highly a highly ranked international prospect last year. But the Tigers did give him, I think, what was it, two point eight five million in yeah. the international signing market. So they definitely must see something there. But he's a guy that's just he's grown physically over the last couple of years, and he's a guy that's shown. I know he's shown good bat speed and the ability to hit for power at all fields. But other than that, I really until I see him in the minor leagues, I'm gonna. It's gonna be pretty hard for me to project him. Okay. Well, we will project him on. Uh, well, it won't even be next year's podcast because we won't have minor leagues this year. We'll project him in 2022. How's that? I'm sure he'll That's be a on good there next tease year. for you. <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll be in the top 20 at this time next yeah, year. Like, but 
just uh just in general as international guys like we'll definitely we'll have some on our list it's just especially with him we couldn't get enough data on the guy so he probably does have the talent to be a top 20 guy if we had some footage on the guy but just with very limited footage i don't want to and me and john and just particular in the site and whole we don't take just one video and make a full report on the guy so we're just not skeptical on the talent the talent's definitely there we just like we said, we want to just kind of see it with him and just any other international guy. If we get a, we got the top international signing of the year, he's going to probably be on that team's ranking system. So just be aware of that. Well, that's responsible scouting. The uh, LA Angels will be calling you soon, sir. <laughs> that's, uh, well, guys, uh, Jake, John, uh, that's it for the Tigers today. Uh, like I said in the last pot, I, I want to keep these T20s tight. We did go a little long today, but for the good reasons. We had a lot of good information. John, thank you for joining me today. Honestly, a, a true pleasure to have you on. No, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm just excited to... Uh, thanks, Jake, for reaching out. And I'm just excited to see what we can do with Prospects Worldwide going forward. Nice. Well, as we sign off, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything you want to plug. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. It's at a John Moore, so A-J-O-H-N-M-O-O-R-E. And I also, like you said at the beginning, I have the... Um, blog i just started up it's motor city hardball it's mot city hardball on twitter and i just have tires content coming out there daily so if you want to read about the crappy tires then <laughs> I, uh, everyone knows i'm an orioles fan so i understand pain so i'll probably read that blog relatable <laughs> <laughs> uh jake what about you um yeah as always you can find me on twitter jtillinghas27 j-t-i-l-l-i-n-g 27 follow uh prospects worldwide on twitter prospects world w uh check out our website prospectsworldwide.com we i mean this is number i don't even know at this point four or five we have 25 more to go we got a ton more coming a lot of exciting stuff and very soon we'll have some 2021 stuff we got our team pretty busy on the uh, 2021 class for next year going so we'll have some rankings going on possibly and just some maybe coverage on the uh pg all-american game coming up and as always i am john giles you can follow me at puma revive that's p-u-m-a-r-e-v-i-v-e-d uh please continue listening to our pod we'll have a ton more of these episodes coming out over the season remember to give us a good review and you can find this article for everyone we mentioned here today over at prospectsworldwide.com where we also have all of our player scouting reports analysis team draft recaps and much much more and now that we're starting a new thing where people can send in questions, it's been a couple episodes in a row. Uh, if anyone has any questions about a team list that we haven't done yet, or if you just want to hear us banter on something, send a line over to at ProspectsWorldW on Twitter. I look forward to reading those questions as always. Thank you for listening today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide.